the ICT Fan Podcast back after a bigger break than the gap between your vaccine jabs with a new variant for your ears. In this pod we take a look at the meagre amount of games played this year to date, wonder what the rest of the season has in store, look at the Championship's January transfer window and talk about postponed games, Hearts fans, sea shanties and speak to Scott Allardyce and Gary Locke. All that and 26 years worth of ICT references packed into an hour or so of wild conjecture and mild distraction. Let's crack on! What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it! Right, we've been away for quite a while. We need to get our heads around the recent headlines. So we're going to do this in the style of the news. Good evening, I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me today is Channel 4 News, Andrew Young. Hello. Sky Sports ticker tape thing you see at the bottom of the screen. Stevie Riley, hello. Hello. Twitter, Andrew Sutherland, hello. Hiya. And joining us for his his uh, Wine Shuffle debut shoot magazine, Mr. Bill McMillan. How you doing, Bill? Hello, how are we getting on? And delighted to have you on. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I've got quite a big arc to follow, obviously following in the f- after Denzel, so feels a bit off the Lord Mayor's show, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. Well, with highbrow references like that, I'm sure you'll go far on this podcast. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so let's have a look at the headlines. A lot of things have been happening since we last did one of these uh, big podcasts. So, you know, here's the headlines. So you saw Lennon and Brown in Dubai. Robbo and Sean Welsh spotted in Nairn Beach sharing a can of super tea. Uh, 30 January transfer window signings in the Scottish Championship, but only one in Inverness. A welcome return for Anthony McDonald. You're not at the football, but the indefatigable George Galloway got into a Queen's game over the period. Shock transfer news as Ross County sign ex-ICT man. Even shockier news as Jordan White actually scores a goal. Neil Doncaster fails to spot the irony as he carries out a fit and proper person test. Dennis Wynas surfaces and an actual headline from the Inverness Courier recently. Car removed from River Nairn after a man plunged into water in what is believed to be a driving error. Believed. Uh, so we can go live to Stevie Riley, who is in his living room and his wife beater in his UFC shorts. Stevie, uh, what have you got for what have you got for us on headlines? Well, I'm going back to Dennis Wynes. Um, yeah, which is great to hear him. And uh, after speaking to him after the the pod went out, he's uh, he's can he do more of these types of things. So I think we've changed him. We brought him out to shell, and uh, we might hear from him uh, sooner rather than later. He wants to come back on, but no, it was good. The boys done a great job, and I think uh, most fans who listened to it thought it was really refreshing to hear from a guy who. I've never heard sp- speak in my life, even when he played for us. There was a famous story where he, he snuck out at the Caledonia Stadium after scoring against Celtic. Um, I thought it was a myth, but it's true. He was back in for Cabos before uh, anyone noticed that he was gone. So, no, it was good to see Dennis in the pod. And, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's my headline so far this year. The Galloway thing, you know, really entertained me. I think it was, it was tremendous. An arch Tory club like uh, Queen of the South managed to kind of machine gun themselves in both feet by kind of letting in this... Uh, Guy, he you know, once pretended to be a sort of man of the people, um, who's obviously just a complete narcissist. Um, I just can't believe they were so naive that they kind of committed the dual crime of breaking lockdown restrictions and kind of showing absolutely no consideration or respect for their own fans. You know, Galloway kind of dons his cat suit and flutters his eyelashes at them and they just open up for him. Uh, I'd be really, really pissed off if we did something like that. Um, yeah, no, Moff mentioned there at the top, obviously getting Anthony McDonald's uh, back in is, um, I think that's the kind of sign we needed to make, obviously losing uh, Kai Kennedy 
but Anthony McDonald will hopefully give us something uh, in the wide areas. He's not quite on the same level as Kai Kennedy, but uh, big fan of him last time round, and hopefully he'll um, hopefully he'll create a few chances for uh, the likes of Story and Sutherland to put away. Bill, have you been reading the red tops, reading the broadsheets? Right. Uh, aye, so we we'll, might as well start with the uh, Yogi Revolution over the bridge. He's uh, went back to his typical thing by signing central midfielder straight away. Uh, Tony Andrew and some boy who I've never heard of who will inevitably play, play five substitute appearances and be released in the summer. Uh, and then obviously getting in Jordan White, um, a boy who, in my eyes, isn't good enough to play in the SPL. Uh, Malibu fans' eyes are the same. Uh, everyone bar Billy White, I think, and his wife <laughs> seem to think that. But... Um, yeah, does, just, does, uh, does Jordan not listen to the podcast? <laughs> he does. He does I'll, I'll get a message from him soon, Bill. And finally, because on, on the news, they always finish off with that. And finally, and finally, Sean Welsh miraculously grows some hair. Right. Well, while we've been away, Donald Trump got very sad, Neil Lennon got even sadder, and everybody started listening to Sea Shanties. Season recap. Let's have a look at the season today. What's gone right? What's gone wrong? Um, you know, the the league position is somewhat underwhelming, but it's also slightly inaccurate. Um, what's what? Let's start on a positive, as we always tend to do on the podcast. What's been what's been one of the positive subs so far this season? Uh, I think Allardyce um, has been pretty impressive in midfield. And obviously, we've had the recent good news about him signing a contract extension. I think it's um, probably fair to say that when he first joined the club he was probably the definition of a meh signing um, so you know hopes maybe weren't high but uh, he's been he's been brilliant he's probably one of the first names in the team sheet most week he seems to have um, found himself a good midfield partner in Roddy McGregor um, obviously before the kind of um, recent spate of postponements I think they kind of complement each other quite well uh, Allardyce typically sitting deeper and McGregor being more effective bringing the ball out from the base of the midfield too um, so yeah I think he's, he's definitely been a positive um, Did you mention Cammy Harper there? Because I think he's obviously, obviously a positive as well he's um, you know come in he's not looked out of his depth at all he's probably a you know a first pick in fact he might end up being well he's obviously a first pick at the moment but he might end up as one of the players with the most appearances for us this season um, you know and after that early game against Hearts when he struggled a wee bit he's, he's come in there and very good going forward no worse than anyone else defensively, I don't think. He's probably one of the better defenders. So I think that's a, that's a real positive as well. I'm going to expand on that. I think the recruitment across the board has been great this season. I think if you look at the last couple of seasons, there's been a few iffy ones there. I mean, I know people raised their eyebrows at Divine coming back, but I think Divine's been pretty decent, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's, he's not been brilliant. He's not been, he's not been shite, but he's been, he's, been, he's, he's been middle of the road for a guy that's what to come back to. I think he's played well. And if you look at like the Duffy, who's been injured, Loan signings in Kennedy, bringing McDonald back in, and then Allardyce, as Sub said, I think, across the board, including with Shane, it's been, it's been quite a good recruitment year so far for us. Obviously, the uh, signings that have came in um, seem to fit the ground running pretty quickly, uh, especially Scott Allardyce, like, like Sub said. Um, yeah, obviously, the injuries at the start of the season kind of, I don't think he'd have probably played if, he, uh, if Welsh was fit, but he's cemented that midfield place to himself. So I'd certainly say that's probably the biggest positive so far. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the signings have been have been pretty good on the whole, but I wouldn't say it's all been positive. Let's let's not um, sugarcoat absolutely everything. There has been deficiencies in the team. Some of the things that were that were you know didn't go well last season, still not going right this season. As in not scoring enough goals and seeing goals late in matches. Um, so you know why is that happening again? Be it that we were aware of these deficiencies in the team, AY. 
Well, if you want to start with the defence, there have been, I mean, been a few kind of things there that you, you get, we can get concerned about. Uh, players being pulled out of position a bit too easily or losing runners. The most glaring thing, I think, has been losing high balls into the box. You know, that, that's been very, very frustrating, you know, whether from set pieces or just from, you know, speculative crosses. And, and we see that again and again. I do wonder, I mean, I don't think it's one player that's to blame all the time, but I do wonder if we're kind of lacking a sort of dominant organising voice in there. You know, the best ICT teams in the past have always had that, where, you know, Bobby Mann, Darren Dawes, Grant Monroe, Gary Warren all seem to, you know, be able to kind of marshal a defence. I don't know if uh, Robbie Dees can eventually grow into that role. You'd maybe hope that, you know, Danny Devine or Brad McKay, more experienced players, would do it, but they don't seem to have done. Um, like I, said, I don't think there's one player to blame, but I do think that there seems to be maybe a lack of decisiveness, a lack of organisation in there, you know. I think part um, of the problem with that, EY, is um, uh, we don't have... Who's our who's our best centre-back partnership? Mm-hmm. We've, not had a, we've not had a partnership that's actually run so for the last few seasons, we've had like Cole and Brad, then we've had Cole and Jamie. Who's our best two centre-halves? I think Dees is going to start, start every game. You know, he's definitely one that's been brought in there mm-hmm. to grow and develop. Um, but who is alongside him? Yeah. You know, obviously that that is a big sort of debate. And with L- long, t- long term, it's Toshney, but he's just never fit. I think it's Duffy, boy. I think, I, think, I think Duffy. I think you can see Duffy moving in there. He's got the height and uh, he said himself, he... He was always a centre half, so I mean we're talking about having a commanding centre half there, experienced centre half. Because we are we are making like basic errors and things and you know, not switching off at the end of games. And you do that when you have young players at the back. I think we've got an interview with Scott Scott Ardice later on and he'll allude to that himself. So you could you need that you need that experienced centre half as as you also the camaraderie most they live together, they're best mates, so that, that alone might help shit. you. I couldn't, I couldn't give a shit if the white picture is arses. Well, I, I could. I mean better centre halves, you know. Plus I don't mind a dirty hand in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, just in the point of age there, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, probably our, our regular starting defence is going to be, what, Duffy at right back, Divine Dees and Harper. Um, so that, that's what, you know, a couple of guys who are 21 or younger and Divine at 28, it's not the most experienced set of defenders going in the yeah. league. Um, and you're probably going to expect a kind of a degree of naivety from them at times, just because they're relatively young and inexperienced. Uh, Robbo did touch on this, I think, after the Arbroath game. He did say that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of naivety creeping into the team's play. Um, I mean, and for most of last season, you know, we did have a pretty settled back four until it got picked apart in January and the season ended, um, as Bill said. So I guess you're probably just going to have to accept that whilst Duffy and Harper and everyone kind of get up to speed, um, we are going to see some laps in concentration from time to time. Okay, let's flip that on its head a little bit. Um, so prior to this round of games, because uh, I never got around to updating the stats, and there's lots of games off anyway, so it's slightly skewed. So prior to this round of games, um, defences, Hearts had conceded 17 goals in 14. Um, Dunfermline had conceded 15 goals in 14 games. Wraith Rovers had conceded 22 in 13, and Dundee had conceded 24 in 13 games. And it goes on like that as you go further down the league. In fact, it goes on so much like that, that by our current record, and we're 11 games, are we not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have the best defence in the league. We've only conceded 15 goals. Put it in context. I mean, if you're if you're a Cali Thistle fan, you're just a lot of Cali Thistle fans will just watch Cali Thistle games. You might not pay any attention to other team to other teams. You know, they might look at yeah, the table sure. from time to time, but you think, oh, we've got such a crap defence. We don't. We yeah. don't. If you look at it at a yardstick and a context of the of the league, we've actually got a good defence. Not a brilliant defence, but a good defence. Mm. So, 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I my point. That's why we're down the bottom of the, the league. I don't think it's because of defence. It's because no. we don't have a striker. We've got lots of forwards and they're very, very fluid and they can, yeah. we can interchange them. It's just having... We don't have a number nine. We just don't. And well, this this, this, this is... So look at look at the stats in the league. Um, Dunfermline, you know, these are the teams that we're aiming to... to um, to claw back the playoff spots from McManus has got eight goals O'Hara and Murray the centre half has both, both got seven Wraith have got Dooku and double figures they've got four from Armstrong and they've got another three players on three Dundee ridiculously and I had to check, double check this Osman Sow seems to have hit seven goals in the league Charlie okay. Adams Charlie Adams hit five and then we've got Toddy on three and those were all at the start of the season and then Dan Mayo Shane Keatsy uh, and Big Sam all with two you know and and that's this is the same as last season, isn't it? That's what we're talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a strange season because obviously you know for well so many reasons, but I don't know. It kind of it kind of feels like we're not scoring enough. It feels like we're conceding too many goals, and it feels like we're not getting enough wins. But the truth is probably kind of somewhere in the middle of all that, because you know look, looking back at like the previous five seasons in the championship under Robble, we're kind of more or less where we normally are after eleven games. Okay, this is a, a kind of a, a shortened season, so you could maybe say it's something of an outlier. But apart from last year, where after eleven games we had I think twenty points or so, we'd only scored one more goal and we'd only conceded three less over the same number of games. We're, we're actually scoring more goals per game this season than we are last season. I think it's just the kind of the stop-start nature of the season so far that makes us maybe feel like we're doing worse than we actually are, and you know maybe just a little bit of inconsistency. But maybe that's to be expected. As I said, with like the kind of the how, how useful this team is. Um, what I would say though is you know it's obviously quite important that we get a kind of a good run together as soon as possible. You know it's all very well having games in hands. I'd rather have points on the board. Um, but one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is that under Robbo, we've only won three games in a row, I think four times in the last five years. And we kind of need to put that kind of run together to get us up the league and back in uh, amongst the playoff spots. We just haven't been able for the last three seasons to find a player that really, really um, makes a difference, you know, puts ball, puts ball in the net regularly enough for us to challenge properly at the top, you know, and it, I don't see that changing this season at all. You know, um, that's not criticism. I think it's just, it's just a kind of a, a fact of life for us, you know, we find it harder to attract players. It's all very well saying someone like Sutherland, you know, who's obviously scored goals in the lower leagues, but, you know, give the guy a chance playing through the middle. I mean, I, I know we've maybe been stretched and he needs to play out wide right or wide left or whatever, but I'd like to see him get a shot through the middle, maybe have Doran on the left, Anthony McDonald on the right, um, and maybe, you know, Keaton's McGregor behind them and see how we go with that. It'll be quite interesting. You know, give them a few games together as well, yep. ideally, see, see um, if any goals come from that. We'll talk about Shane a little bit in the in the uh, review of the Arbroath game. Now let's move on to the other very topical uh, subject at the moment, postponed games. Let's talk about the chilly elephant in the wrong continent. Pitch inspection followed by game off, more cancellations than Andrew Neil and Piers Morgan combined. Uh, before the season, we hadn't had a game postponed due to weather since March 2019, Uh Stevie Riley <laughs> reliably informed me, uh, yeah. and this this season I think we might have had uh, is it eleven? Okay, so there's a lot of conjecture online in the papers, etc. So let's metaphorically shovel the ice from this issue and clear clear this up once and for all. What what's the deal? You guys have been doing your investigating as per your 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 news your news hats we discussed at the top hmm. of the top of the pod. Has undersoil heating been removed? If so, when and why was it removed? Are the games been off the season a direct consequence of this, or has the weather been so appalling here this year that that's the reason? Let's let's talk about so, this. No, undersoil heating still there. So 
the apartment's been removed and I think you'll all remember do you know that the little corner between the north stand and the main stand along the touchline was always notoriously flooded it was always it was it was, it was marshland I think about two years ago that's when it came to fruition so what they've done is taken a corner of the undersoil heating out basically a glorified U-bend they've put in there to bypass that so the undersoil heating isn't in that corner It's the ground's so hard now that even if you stuck double undersoil heating whatever you call it under it it wouldn't it wouldn't take it away. It's, it's gone. The, that part of the pitch is shit. But undersoil heat is still there. But the problem that the problem we've got at the moment, it costs money to put undersoil heating on, right? Let's let's not lie about it. But number two, um, Aberdeen are just looking to put an undersoil heating in, right? It's state of the art technology, right? That only works up to minus four, right? During the night, the last couple of weeks, it's been up to minus ten. So even if we're putting undersoil heating on, it's not it's not going to be enough to get that off the top. You know, you have you have a thin layer of snow, but you've also got the compacted ice underneath. It's not it's not going to shift. Now, I spoke to the club about different types of covers, and I think some of the Harps money is going to be used to get better covers, looking at maybe a dome technology going over the pitch rather than on the pitch to try and have stuff coming off it. But again, that costs money. But I think, they did, and to be fair to the groundsman, he's had a few messages, people questioning him. Nothing can be done. I mean, we were talking before we started recording about Fort George, Charlie Chris said it's the best of a look. Bill lives out that way. He's seen it. Said it's the best. The guy does a great job. And yeah. uh, I think it's a, bit, it's a bit shite, really, that people attack the groundsmen when we've never had a problem with the, the, the surface before. It's just unprecedented weather that no one can fix. And undersoil heating doesn't, it doesn't cut it when it gets to below minus four. So wipe it on. And again, it costs money. So that's it's there, but we're not using it for obvious reasons. Yeah, I've done a bit of digging myself, um, not you know literally into a pitch or anything. But um, I mean, what one thing to mention is that the, the last game we did actually have called off. I think it was Queen of the South in January last year because of a waterlogged pitch. Um, so it's only just been over a year since the last call off. And the reason I bring that up is because there was a quote. I, th- I think you've, it was ruined, you've the- ruined my introduction now, sir. Sorry, I know. Um, also, also ruined my credibility with that one. Bit, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, I mean, the, the reason I brought it up though was because um, I, I remember there had been some work done on the pitch to improve the drainage. What I hadn't realized was just how much had been spent. Um, there was a quote, I think, after the game um, from Scott Gardner. I don't know if it was in the PJ or the Courier or something, and obviously, you know, quite unhappy that game had been called off because the club had spent a hundred thousand pounds improving the drainage. Yes, it's a sizable amount of money. Um, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of what Riley said um, kind of you know kind of uh, tallies with with what I was able to find. Um, I think some um, interview I think with the groundsman again round about kind of January twenty twenty mentioned that yeah they they had um, taken a number of the undersoil heating pipes out of parts of the pitch. Um, but what was quite interesting was you know and it's a long been a kind of a rumor, long standing rumor amongst fans that the undersoil heating kind of ruined the pitch, and that does check out as well because the undersoil heating pipes are meant to go something like nine ten centimeters down or something in some parts of the pitch you only go down about six centimeters so it means the groundsmen can't properly kind of aerate the soil they can't properly you know fork it over in certain areas so that kind of screws up the drainage as well um yeah basically undersoil heating completely wrecked the pitch and despite all the drainage work that's been done it's a lot more sensitive to kind of extreme weather than it was before um so yeah it may still be underneath the pitch in some areas but it's basically yeah it's no longer functional for the most part it's just not worth using yeah. anymore um but obviously th- again you know it's also worth clarifying that undersoil heating is not a requirement to be promoted into the scottish premiership it was a requirement with the old spl but that um that organization no longer exists and the spfl rules are simply that clubs need to ensure there's efficient and effective systems of pitch protection at their ground 
and clubs must make use of them if there's a chance of a game being called off because of, you know, a frozen pitch or, you know, pitches covered in snow. So, you know, most clubs will just tick that box by sticking some covers down. If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. That's it. That's all That's all they can do. And that's all we're doing at the minute, I guess. Yeah, and uh, obviously as the uh, local weather correspondent here in the group, <laughs> uh, I can't confirm the weather up here has been horrendous for the last, what seems like, eternity. Um, so I mean it, I live on the, obviously the Banks of Money Firth exactly probably the same distance as uh, the stadium is to the ground and it was minus 12 on Tuesday night um, so if it's your stuff like that I mean you've got absolutely no chance so that's that's it cleared up so there should be no more conjecture about this if anybody is going on about how awful the club is how terrible the groundsman is why is Undersoil heating being removed you just need to direct them to this time code in this podcast and all will be cleared up yep. or or Someone has been watching too much Blackadder, and this is all a cunning plan, a cunning plan to push our games to the end of the season when fans are back in the stadium and give us an extra push for promotion. Or, or, or like Bill said, it's just really, really cold. One or the other. Well, I'll, I'll go with Bill, but uh, Blackadder's a good shoot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Moth looks quite like Lord Flashheart as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, do you love Rick Mail? You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Okay, let's review some actual football. We've been away for nearly two months, uh, so you can imagine we have a we have a lot to catch up on in the two games that have been played. <laughs> um, can we review anything else? Yes, we will later on. So Wednesday, twenty seventh of January, Morton away, two two draw. We played some very good stuff in the first half against ten men, and this had the promise of being a rousing return to action, but it wasn't. Let's hear what Robo had to say about it after the game. As you said at half-time, that we must move the ball quick. Must move the ball quick, keep the ball moving, pass through the midfield, look for the extra man in midfield and work it. We didn't do it, that's why we had to make changes. There was too many fancy dance tonight, trying to play little flicky balls and uh, wonder balls around the edge of the box. We're not needed, it was a good solid pass. Um, we put some great balls in the area. We work on training, get across the front of men, get across the front of men. Did we get across the front of them second half? No, we didn't. Um, I'm watching a, a little striker that I know well, Gary Oliver, absolutely bully our two centre halves. Worked his tail off for his team, comes off with cramp with 10 minutes ago because he's given everything. Aidan Nisbet comes off with cramp because they've given everything. Did our boys come off with cramp? No, because they're not. They thought it was easy, thought it could just pass it about. We had seven passes early in the second half and we moved the ball about a yard because nobody was prepared to take the game by the scruff of the neck and go forward. Uh, we put men on to, to do things, we don't follow orders. We put a big set of forward on to play set of forward and it ends up coming short. We put boys on to put the ball in the box, they didn't put the ball in the box. We put in some wonderful free kicks and corners. We go over every week, attack areas, attack areas, attack areas. Three times the ball's whistled across the six yard line, three times we don't get in the end of it because people decide to change where they want to go. They decide to, to do the stuff that they've not been told by us as a management and it's annoying. Um, we have thrown away in our last two league uh, away games against Morton and Alloa we've thrown away five points we're not being professional enough we're not being uh, I, I keep saying to players about how much you really want it I see Gary Oliver and Nisbet going down the camp because they really want it to give everything for their team I see some subs coming on they're in the huff because they're not starting well that's fine that'll be sorted I see other subs coming on and not making an impact um, not just this game I'm talking, about, I'm talking about in general and these things have got to stop we've got some really good players really good individuals but we're not playing as well enough as a team, um, and that will change. Trust me. 
Okay, Robo, not happy there, understandably. But given the lack, lack of action for a month, was this performance second half not to be expected? Um, not really against 10 men. You know, I think uh, tiredness, lack of game uh, kind of fitness um, is an excuse perhaps after 60, 70 minutes. But we came out looking like we felt like it was already in the bag, um, that we could just continue to knock it around and dominate possession. And eventually the third goal would sort of just happen along. Um, and instead what happened is that Morton actually thought these guys aren't offering anything. They start up the tempo a bit. We let Cameron Blues through, you know, to put McGinty in. And then after they've got the equaliser, we don't look like creating much. And I think the Robbo's reaction, I've rarely heard him as critical in my life before of his players. Um, his reaction suggests that he doesn't think that uh, tiredness was, was an excuse at all. He felt that there was a lack of commitment there, perhaps a lack of courage. Um players maybe being selfish, not playing for each other, um, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it was, it, was, it was very, very disappointing, especially having done well in the first half. Um, I quite like hearing Robbo, hearing Robbo being as honest as that and saying that things like that aren't acceptable and hopefully, um, you know, it gets the right reaction from the players. If I was a, if I was a player, I'd be chomping it a bit to perform well. I mean, you've not played for God knows how long. Apparently, according, according to Robbo training, it's high tempo. There's a lot of Meaty challenges get in there, so obviously the boys are chomping at the bit to play, but yeah, that's it. high performance look, the boys just want to be up the road. I know Capelo is not the best. Yeah, you think boys want to stake a claim for the next week, and uh, yeah, similar to what AY said, I think we thought that the third goal would just happen, and uh, yeah, took it granted, and yeah, poor performance in the second half for me. Uh, I thought Shane, especially first half, was uh, was tremendous. Playing through the middle, um, both goals come from him dropping in, dropping into the hole and actually third man running. So if you look at the first goal, he actually comes and wins the initial flick yeah. to, I think it's Doran, and then he plays it to Vinny, and then the goal comes from there. Same with the second goal. He pop, he comes into the centre circle, wins the ball, pops it to Doran, and Dan McKay's winning the third uh, third man running. And second half, that just went absolutely non-existent. What about, uh, what about Vincent AY? He was, he's been at the centre of the Morton game and the centre of the... The centre of the Arbroath game, um, McGregor's been on the bench, but Vinny's been the main man sort of playing behind that striker, hasn't he? Yeah, I think Vincent's done reasonably well coming in. He he didn't show in the second half of the Morton game, really. Um, but both in that game in the first half and in the Arbroath game, in fits and starts, really, one of the things I thought was really good about him was that he was not just like Lincoln play well neatly, which he's always done that, but there's a few times when he picked up the ball and actually ran with it and beat players, and that's something that we've not seen enough of from him. So I thought that, thought that was encouraging. If we could just get a little bit more of that over the course of a game, then, then that would be good. But he, he's done his chances no harm, even though you know I, I really like McGregor. I'd like to see McGregor in there as well. But I don't think Vincent's... Um, I think Vincent's done reasonably well since he's yeah. come in. Yeah, so there was some, I think, discussion maybe online. I'm sure a lot of fans would wonder, you know, McGregor's been brilliant for us um, all season, but he's on the bench and, and, and Vinny's playing... Um, any idea why this was? Is it just because Vinny hasn't really featured much and it's just to give him some game time? It's a bit of both, I think. Obviously, I think Roddy and also Aldice have played a lot more sort of game time than they probably expected to at this point in the season. But I think for Robbo, you've got to look at squad harmony as well. I mean, it's a bit of a... You've got to pick the best team and who's performing well, but you've got to obviously keep the rest of the boys happy. And I think it's a bit of, a bit of maybe squad rotation that's happened and uh, it's maybe maybe put them a good stead for obviously games coming up because we'll need to rotate the squad now having... Well, feels like probably six games in a couple of weeks now. But right, let's move on to our second and sadly final game of this podcast. Wednesday, third of February, Arbroath away, a one-one draw. 
you know, the big question here is, is how much is the weather conditions and the wind had a part to play in this? I, I think I think a fair bit, but I'm I'm a little bit less disappointed now after seeing what Dufferman, uh what, what happened to Dufferman the week after. But yeah, a, a, a bit weird. I was disappointed, but Robbo didn't seem that disappointed after the game. He seemed pretty happy to take a point, and he alluded that they've got the third best um, home record in Scotland, which I was very surprised at. But yeah, I mean we should be beating beating teams are bros, no problem. I think that night, I don't think the game should have. Uh, should have went ahead. The thing is, they check for what low pitches, they check for all sorts of things, but they don't check for wind. I mean, this is, I think there's one time where who's the goalkeeper's at Gaston, isn't it? That's plays for yeah. Our yeah, he kicked the ball and apparently he's one of the lowest kicks in the league. And from the 18 yard box, it barely reached a halfway line. It came back to him. And that's a farce. I mean, we all paid to watch it and stuff like that. And it just does it. I can, I can watch games in rain, I can watch games in snow, but when it's Gale Force wins, it just kills the game. So maybe maybe a point that night wasn't so bad after all. Well, we're talk- we're talking about a stadium here which um regularly has fish landing on the pitch. So <laughs> what do you expect? Uh, Bill Bill, what were your thoughts on this one? Um sorry, obviously following on what Riley said, it was uh, it wasn't a game for the neutral to watch, put it that way. Uh, obviously the weather played a massive part of it. Uh, I thought maybe second half we would have maybe stepped in a wee bit more. Especially with the win behind us, but we again we didn't really seem to do much. Obviously, conceding the goal a minute before half time wasn't a obviously wasn't great. Um, second half, obviously, we scored a great goal, great ball in from Cami Harper. Yeah, um, great little bit of link up beforehand, and obviously, his it's balling is absolutely perfect for Shane. Uh, and we never really kicked on from that. I think, uh, like Rob was said, I think you take the point and come up the road. I think he was just, we've got a game gun played, really. I think that's all he was happy to do. Big Toddy was at centre back in this one. He is he is at fault for the goal, but arguably so were another two players for that. Um, anyone impressed with the big man at centre half? Not really, to be honest. No. Um, I mean, to be fair, I don't think that I don't think um, the defence can cover themselves in glory for the opener. Um, I mean, yeah, as Bill says, you know, obviously a bad time to to lose a goal, but a great time to get the equalise. And Vincent and Harper linked well down the left to send in a wonderful ball for Sutherland, but we we just didn't seem to kick on. You know, towards the end of the game, you could probably you could probably argue that our bro probably could have won it. They had great chances. Hamilton blazing over a header from what, about five yards out and then doing hitting the post. I think mm-hmm. the closest we came was um Sutherland kind of trapping the ball beneath his feet when um you know he was found from a free kick. So I think a draw was a fair result. But yeah, pretty disappointing that having survived the conditions in the first half, we didn't really seem to take advantage of them ourselves in the second. We actually did have two very good chances to score and they both felt Shane Sutherland. Obviously he's put the one away that's felt his head great fantastic uh, cross and a really good love a diving header great finish but he's had two better chances one is actually identical to Hamilton's goal that our both score um and he just fluffs it he gets nothing behind the ball uh, and mm. the second one I think is at, uh, in the back post I can't remember off the top of my head but he had very, t- t- yeah two two very 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 good chances and you know we're talking about giving him a run up front which you need he needs to continue playing up front you need to score those chances those 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 are relatively simple chances for a guy who's put away so many goals that he has in the last well throughout his career. I mean, if we're talking about getting the defence right, I think we maybe have to just be stubborn and say, look, this is what I'm going to go with for us three or four games. Because, I mean, I'm not Tony's biggest fan, but he's, he's, he started the season like a like a train. I mean, scoring in every game, but we need to be a bit stubborn and say, look, this is going to be my my front two or my front three, depending how you want to play it and. Maybe tough it out for a couple of games just to get them playing well because we oh, because, because, because there's going to be so many games in a short space of time, you're not not going to have the opportunity to do that because he's going to have to change the team every, every almost every game. Depends on the fitness, though, doesn't 
Depends on playing and He wanted yeah. McDonald in as well, though. You know, um, so one of those front three will probably give way or else they'll rotate it a wee bit more, which is what happened when Kennedy came in. We're talking to Cameron Harper across. Nothing more. Fans love whether it's a fullback or a winger, taking the ball to the byline and crossing balls in. We've not had it for a while, you know, but Tremarco used to do it to some to, to a good extent. Um, Raven done it for as much as he could, but we don't have players hitting the bylines anymore. If so. you go back, if you go back to just the back end of last year in the 3 0 1 against Queen of the South, that is mm-hmm. probably, you know, the high point of the season so far in terms of the football that we're playing. Played some absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic. Interchanging football there, yeah. guys changing, you know, guys not even not just exchanging passes, but exchanging positions, you know, really good interplay between that um, front three mm-hmm. and the striker. And, you know, that wasn't that long ago in terms of the amount of games we played. So we've only we've only lost Kai Kennedy. We're bringing in McDonald. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that we can get back to that really good flowing attacking pe- style of football, especially when we have so many games in a short period of time. Well, okay. we've, got a, we've got a big squad, if you think about it. If, if we get Toshney back and uh, we get me happy fit, I mean, it's we have, we have got quite a decent squad in terms of numbers. There's, there's coverage apart from having a number nine. Well, uh, we'll wind up our brooch with uh, a mention of the firmer. Uh, when I was down the distance, like being down the discway and you're chatting up a bird and then she goes, no, we may your matey. How many, time, how many times did the big farmer uh, use, use at the disco analogy? Do you remember him? I do. He was actually he was good. I enjoyed him. I mean, yeah, I remember. Remember me, you and I, off standing outside. Um, remember disco carpets and a bros getting a, a photo. So I don't know if it was a carpet shop or the actual disco was at, but in our bros there's a place called the Disco Carpet Shop. So get yourself down there. He's uh, he's quite the character. I think we're going to try and get him on the pod um, at some point, which would be which should be very interesting. Okay, and that's it because there are no more games to review. Up next, Anthony McDonald. For McDonald, I'm the castle, Inverness men, Ouija's hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judith's city, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Colony Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre, Matalan. Okay, Anthony McDonald has returned to the Caledonian Stadium for his second spell with the club. He uh, talked at the recent press conference this week and gave his thoughts on returning to Inverness. Yeah, obviously things in Spain never worked out for me and um need to thank the manager for giving me the, the opportunity to come up here and play games and I'm just looking forward to getting started and getting the games back played yeah. again. I loved it up here. I was I, I knew a lot of the boys, so being back's good as well because the boys are still the same relatively. So it's so it's good to be back. Um looking forward to getting getting going. Um I've known Gaffer for, for years, ever since he was at heart, so it's good of him to have the faith in me to they give me the opportunity to come up and play here. I know the place, I know the club, I know the boys, I know the manager, uh, and I've been up here before, so it was an easy decision for me to make. Myself being back here, knowing most of the boys, knowing the way the club play, and the ambitions of the club as well is, is good for me, and hopefully we can we can push for what we deserve this season. Okay, young Anthony McDonald there, he's obviously happy about returning to Cali Thistle. He had a good he had a good spell first time round and he's got a good relationship with John Robertson. That appears to have uh, made the decision for him after a brief spell in Spain. What what are our thoughts on, on young Anthony and what's he gonna add to the team that we don't have already? I, I think it's it's positive. I just hope hope we get the same Anthony McDonald we got last time. Obviously the, the move to Spain didn't work out. He was also at Dunfermline before he he, um, I'm sorry, after he left us, but he had issues with 
some pain in his leg, and it, he's got these new insoles that he's been putting his boots and his um, trainers. Apparently, it takes a bit of pain and pain free, and uh, he's working for a manager that believes in him, and he's also it's a younger squad as well. So I think on and off the park, when they when they can socialise together, I think he's um, he's a right sort of fit. He fits the mold that we were looking for in terms of age and experience. So. Yeah, I'm excited about him. I think he's uh, he's got a lot to offer us. L- losing Kennedy, kind of feel like we needed to replace someone in the wide areas to offer some kind of creativity out there. So, um, you know, no disrespect meant to Sutherland their story. They just don't have that in them, I don't think. And I think having McDonald there is is um, definitely going to hopefully create a few more chances, maybe for Shane through the middle, maybe for Story through the middle. And um, I quite liked him last time round. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers the was it the Scottish Cup game against Ross Kennedy. We beat them on... Um, penalties, I think um, Anthony McDonald kind of endeared himself to Inverness fans by basically uh, not celebrating with the Inverness players, but kind of like running towards the Ross County fans in the way and then kind of giving them a wee get it up you um, gesture, which um, yeah went down very well, so uh, love the guy for that. Yeah, I think he fits the mould of sort of Scott Allardyce as well, kind of had a couple of years where he's kind of not really done anything uh, kind of got a bit of a point to prove so yeah, it's a good deal for obviously both parties, hopefully uh, it works out. He does something similar to Scott and takes a, a longer extension. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a no lose situation at the minute, obviously, having him for six months. Yeah, and let's hope, obviously, we get him for a bit, a bit longer than that. Um, the other one, obviously, we can't maybe let go uh, without mentioning is the whole um, Jordan White to Ross County would free up Billy Mackay to come to Inverness uh. Cali Thistle. I mean, obviously, the White thing played out. We, we all saw, I think most of us saw the rumours on, on Twitter about that. I, maybe, maybe if they hadn't sold um, Stuart. Maybe they would have had an extra striker they wanted rid of, but I would have, I would have been surprised if Mackay had turned up with us, to be honest. Well, I'm glad I never divulged my rumour, which I thought was going to happen, was Kyle Lafferty. That would have been a perler. But um, <laughs> apparently we um, we spoke about him. But uh, oh, Shut up, Rayleigh. No, no. It's like I was asking the whole Scottish Cup final, right? That that happened. That was true, wasn't it? So we, we, we inquired about um, Kyle Lafferty, but... Well, it makes sense, you know. He's kind of like a dark-haired Simon Murray, you know, and you know how close we were to getting him. Well, I was going to say he'll he'll team up well with Simon Murray up front. Yeah, it's all it's all well. He went from money to Kilmarnock in Queens Park with Simon Murray. Listen, well, we're we're already, we're already linked far too heavily with the Huns, so I'm glad we never got him. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Albans and the Sutherland, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcake Jackson, Dyer's at Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Waters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeepies, Johnny's, Riley's, Bergie's, Kilmore, Hoop, and Annie's. Okay, now a new feature that's called Cali Off, Telly On. Um, on Twitter, uh, one of our followers, Kenny Cameron, uh, not the. <laughs> not the one you're thinking of, um, <laughs> said, how do I fill my dead boring Saturdays? Well, Kenny, we're about to tell you. January was bereft of ICT matches, but with no Andy Bannerman to listen to, how did you fill that broadcasting gap? Did you opt for something along the same lines, perhaps the complete series of I'm Alan Partridge? <laughs> Some Cali Thistle fans might have adopted another side in the soft spell, perhaps watched Ibrahimovic roll back the years in Syria, Jurgen Klopp, uh, hilariously implode down in Liverpool or maybe you've been enjoying County's recent return to crap form um, now AY what have you been watching I'm, I'm guessing you're a Bridgerton fan yeah 
it's Netflix, a, it's a, Netflix, Netflix, all the, all the young people watch it. It's a period, dra- it's a period <laughs> drama on Netflix. A period <laughs> drama on Netflix, no. Uh, but this week, actually, most exciting t- TV event of the year for me was the new documentary series by Adam Curtis. Uh, it's like done, I mean, he's done loads and loads of documentaries. The ones I'm familiar with, Hypernormalization, Bitter Lake, all watched over by Machines of Love and Grace. Oh, and the new one, which is called Can't Get You Out of My Head, all take the same sort of format. It's like montages of historical film footage and his voiceover and music. Like, it's music everything from like the Cocteau Twins to like um, Kylie Minogue to um, Aphex Twins. Like this really, really kind of um, diverse like, music. And each of his documentaries has got a different sort of focus. So there's all this overlap. But actually what it seems like is he's sort of building up this kind of multi-layered, multi-stranded visual history of the world since World War II. Um, and instead of it being kind of like really neatly packaged little sound bites of historical narrative that kind of um, just include what, you know, people want them to include, you know, the people whose ethos or whatever is being kind of expounded. Um, he kind of looks way beyond that. So this massive, long, sprawling kind of connections of things. It's just it's really, really, really fascinating. Um, and it kind of goes against the whole grain at the moment of um, people just trying to shout, Lightly each other about how their narrow worldview is the only correct one. It's just it's just a really interesting way of looking at the world. Um, so yeah, it might not be for everyone, but um, so I we, think it's we brilliant. Yeah. so we go from that to Bill TikTok. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will uh, not go for as highbrow and as interesting as uh, Mary Hill. And I would just say I've just been watching loads of Premier League football and realizing that I actually hate football. I just hate watching it. <laughs> it's just crap, isn't it? Um, it's I mean, it's great that it's actually, they're actually allowed to show games on Saturday at three o'clock now, um, seeing as, obviously, we don't play on a Saturday anymore. It's, I mean, all football, as we all know, no fans, no atmosphere. It's listening to the Sky try and uh, pump in them fake crowd noises, I think, are even worse. I think, it, I, I think it depends what league you're watching. I've taken to watching quite a lot of Serie A, mainly because I bought, like, a lot of Cali fans have bought uh, Premier Sports for one of our games earlier in the season, uh, and I never, bo- I never bothered cancelling it. So I've seen, I've seen a bit of Milan. That's my father-in-law's team, and, and I've seen a bit of Roma. But mostly, I've been watching uh, Crotone, bottom of the league. Crotone with three wins in twenty-one games on a goal difference of minus twenty-eight. But they they play in blue and red, and they got some cracking, they got some cracking strips. But the, the difference between the EPL and that is is, is quite marked because. Um, obviously the only people on the ground that are employees of the club and players and staff but in Serie A they they seem to make a hell of a lot more noise than they do in the sort of sanitised world of English football has anyone else found sort of a difference between leagues like that? Sometimes the Italians seem to have about 25 directors and directors' wives and directors' um, families there but yeah you you know it's different between Milan score or Juve score the noise as opposed to the Premier League and what Bill was saying I've I hate the Premier League in England. I don't hate football, but I get what you're saying, Bill. Um, the Premier League has been found out to be quite a shite league now. I mean, it's 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 all been bang average. It's been over over infatuated with money, but I think it's uh, it's a pretty pish league to watch. It's not that great in TV, whereas the Italian league's a lot better to watch. A lot more tactical, and the Spanish league's been brilliant this season well, as well. So I, I found watching football to be pretty crap to be perfectly honest um, I've found myself getting more into uh, American football but just kind of going away totally from sports um, because if someone tells me to watch a TV show I tend not to do it until about 10 years later uh, I decide to start watching Suits um, basically two high-hitting lawyers only one of them has a law degree it's a bit kind of far-fetched a bit spurious but yeah if you like some kind of um, low-brow entertainment go for that 
I can I can thoroughly recommend US police pr- procedural Bosch on Amazon. Anyone seen that? Brilliant. No, I, that's amazing. I, I, I watched the, I rewatched The Sopranos, which is the best the best TV show ever made. Now I, yeah. won't, I won't see an argument against it. Maybe maybe the wire the wire comes close, boys, but The Sopranos tips it for me. Well, I'm 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 a I'm a sci-fi nerd, so I've been watching a lot a lot of original series Star Trek. So Both. coming up coming up next, League Look Ahead, Warp Factor Eight. Now the time in the poll where we cast our eyes into the future and discuss the upcoming games. We put our necks on the block and predict that we will almost definitely win some of them, lose some of them, and definitely draw some of them. So Wednesday the 17th of February, Queen's at home. Uh, their form, they've lost 2-1 to Alwa recently. They've they've beaten Morton 2-1. They've drawn 2-2 with our broth. Um, if we've got any pretensions of playoffs, I was going to say this is a must win, is it not? But having watched them against Hearts the other night, um, they were really, really well organised. You presume that they would come out and play a bit more against us. They're not going to be the same team we beat to you know, at the start of December. As you say, they played really well last night. And Booty looked like a good signing, but I think Isaiah Jones is the one that everyone yeah, really seems to be about. Last night, the you know, um, and you, you also get the sense that a squad that was just cobbled together at the start is starting to gel. They're working really hard for each other, and that obviously makes a big difference in this league as well. Um, so they could be very dangerous. Yeah, I don't know if it's because Nielsen's kind of assembled a bit of a beta squad of jokers at Hearts, or if Queens are actually you know have become a good team, as you say. I mean, I only saw bits of the game. Uh, last night, but yeah, they were pretty handy actually, and um, I'm certainly a, a lot more concerned about playing them on Wednesday than I was, um, you know, before I saw that game last night. I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they have a good team. I mean, they brought in the centre half Breen on loan from Rangers. They bought Mabuti on loan from Rangers. Mabuti didn't really do much against Hearts. Isaiah Jones, yeah, he was the he was the player to watch. Um, but you know, other than that, they're not great. I mean, they've got. I think the most notable thing about them is they've got a right back, though he played in midfield uh, against Hearts, called Naughty Naughty, uh, who was born in <laughs> who was born in 1994. Now I'm just saying, Ebenezer Good by the Shaman came out in 1992. So, you know, everyone is talking about Willie Gibson. Though everyone's kind of saying he's kind of driving them on. He's become this kind of inspirational. You know, well, he, was, he, he was born in 1940, 40 wise, so he was he's he's about fifty years old. But he's thirty six. Yeah, well, he's thirty six. Yeah. we've talked about the important. We've talked about the importance of experience, you know, and a come in someone that can really drive you on. And it sounds like he's starting to become that player for them. You don't want to overstate it. I mean, we could turn up and absolutely. I don't know. Them, he, this is a this is a guy who managed eight games for a shocking Stenhouse Muir team last season, and who hasn't played at a level higher than the championship for ten years. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll be staking their season on him. <clears throat> All right, predictions, win, scoreline. What what have you got? I'm gonna say sneaky two one win for Inverness. I'm gonna say exactly the same. I'm gonna say confidence uh, boosting two no win to start the run. I'll be never optimistic and say 3-1 because we will concede. Bar says 3-1. I'll go with Bell, 2-0. I think we'll okay. win that game. Yeah, so we all right, think we'll win that five game. Five people saying we'll so, win, so there's no after, chance we're winning that uh, one. <laughs> after, after bigging up Queens, we, all, we still think we're going to beat them. Saturday 20th of February, air away, their form. They've lost 1-0 to Hearts. They've they've beat Alawa 4-1. They've got a 0-0 draw with Dunfermline. Um, yeah, Somerset Park has been happy hunting ground for us in recent times but the only plus side of not going to Somerset is not contracting something worse than Covid from their toilets isn't it? I miss that away day as much as absolute shithole it's a proper Scottish away day it's a proper ground um, yeah probably up there with my, up there with Palmerston's my favourite away day in the division I won't see this season but 
I'm not as worried about here as I was a few months ago. I mean, you've 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 got the the rogues of uh, Walsh and Chalmers that will be there to say hello to us. But I think losing Bruce Anderson's a bit of a blow. I think Bruce has went to Hamilton. I think he's at now. Yeah. But I think the squad's probably been a bit more depleted than enhanced in January, in my opinion. I mean, who have they brought in? A couple of guys from Ireland and some loans from down south from Ipswich. But yeah, I'm 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 hoping and just going to pass form off that we we obviously we always do well there and uh, I'm I'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit less worried about air away than I'm at, than I'm at Queens at home so I, I think we'll take care of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite really. I'm I'm a little bit worried about this game. Um, I mean, air have always been quite kind of free flowing attacking any time we've gone down there in the past. It's Luke McCowan I'm kind of worried about. He's on a great run of form. He's got um, four goals in his last six games and he bagged an absolute beauty against Alloa curling a shot. Um, in from just inside the box. Um, I, I think they've got real potential to hurt us in the wide areas, uh, let's say with Walsh and McCowan. Um, and it looked like, based on the highlights, that um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, uh, Indaba, he looked quite useful as well. He looked pretty strong in the challenge, winning a few balls off um, off um, Aloha midfield. Um, you know, he, he could be someone that kind of maybe disrupts any attacking moves that we get going. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about this one, actually. Um, good, yeah, I t- totally agree. They're a yeah. good team, but I think the key here is that Mark Kerr will play a 4-4-2 and he won't deviate from a 4-4-2, especially in home. So Robbo is a smarter manager than Mark Kerr. It oh, yeah. depends, it's, just, it's going to be about what selection Robbo puts out and how we work and how the players actually how the players put into action the the directions that they're given by the management and the coaches, I think. Predictions. I think I think easy easy to know we win. Uh one all. I wouldn't be too surprised if we lost this, but I'd like to think we can get a draw. So I'm going to say one all as well in this game. Concur. Uh, follow Leb one all. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be one one. I wouldn't even bother watching it. I wouldn't even bother watching it. It'd be one one. Right, Tuesday, twenty third of February, Alloa at home. By the time we come out of COVID, the pie in a row could be a thing of the past. Condemned, condemned to the lower leagues where football only sometimes happen. These guys are in trouble, aren't they? They certainly look at <laughs> away from home. They've they've won one game and lost five. Are, we're unbeaten at home in 13 months so it's a bit of a fortress I mean we've only played 12 games in all competitions in that period of time like so it's one of them ones that kind of it looks like a home win it looks like one you'd put in your coupon but just Inverness have a knack of doing stupid things at games like this Aloha seem to do the same thing you know every season as well you know they play nice football the cool off results on paper look like shocks they never lose touch completely but they never do enough to kind of put together a run that takes them free of danger. So they're always just bobbing about there, you know. Um, they're the Hamilton of the championship. Yeah, they sort of are, except that Hamilton um, play, you know, football that, you know, you'd rather go to the dentist, you know, than, than watch. Uh, whereas <laughs> Aloha tend to play really nice football. Are you trying to say that Charlie Trafford isn't pretty on the ball? And I'm not talking about his hair. Charlie Trafford looks like a, ma- a drunk man trying to stay on his feet, you know, in a strong wind when he's playing football. Um, he is not pretty in the ball in any way at all quite a handsome guy when he's standing up and there's not a football anywhere near him but no no absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah, is, is the championship gravy train over for likes of Andy Graham people have been going on about this guy for ages but he's 37 years old now and he must be getting found out the championship gravy train you know must have the, that untold wealth that he gets from playing for Alabama <laughs> no, they've, the they've, they've, reached, they've reached the end of the line they need to pull into the League Two platform, offload some passengers and get some refurbished carriages. I know it's like, I and I know it's like, but you, you know, if someone kind of said to us, "We've got Andy Graham for one season to help bring on Robbie Dees," I'd take your hand off for that. You know, yep. I know it's he's, he's you know, I know he's kind of um, he's getting on a bit and he's a part-time player and all this sort of stuff. You know, and, but I just think in terms of his uh, game awareness and his experience, I think that's exactly the sort of player we need. 
if he was just a wee bit younger. You know, I don't think he'd go. He'd far rather just be kind of part time and play for Alba. The, the boy that in his camera who scored today when we're recording, the boy from Kilmarnock, a good striker, Trouton, who we spoke about, um, still does the business. They've got Stefan Scoogle, who was on the bench today. I mean, they've not got a bad team. I think there's. There's still a lot of chances for them to yeah. 3-1-1 for us. I'm going to say 3-0 with us. Uh, I'll take a really scrappy 1-0 game. I'll uh, say 2-1 just because I've said exactly the same as Sov for the last two, so I don't want to kind of just basically be his parent. Right. Friday 26th, Hearts at home. So start 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 9,000. Um, the number of minutes in the last three consecutive seasons Jordan White's gone without scoring or the number of tickets sold for this game. We know the answer. Um, we asked ever-popular Hearts man Gary Lockie Lock, how did this all come about and where did he get his nickname from? I'll get the Nick Ross dig out of the way. Uh, yeah. Have you recovered from it yet? I know it was a sore one back in the day. Oh, it, was but you... it was a disastrous day for us that. Um, as I say, like, you, you, you're winning in a game and then obviously you're doing to nine men, opposition's doing to nine men. You think we should be able to see it out. Uh, unfortunately, we never done that, and never next went on to the final. So I'm glad you got that out the road early doors. Something that I've never ever recovered. So. Well, we never, we never won it, but it's a wee daddy cup. We won the big cup the year later. Maybe <laughs> so. Like, so we got on Gary's to talk about this game, this virtual game, uh, where uh, Hearts fans, the majority of Hearts fans, and some of the nice fans have got together. And I think as the time of speaking, we're close to ten thousand tickets sold. So our previous record was against Old Rangers, seven seven five three. So. Um, firstly, what's your thoughts on it, Gary? Yeah, I mean, you must be proud as someone that's associated with Hearts that this is happening. Yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, you know, and it's great, obviously, for Inverness as well, who are having a really tough time at the moment in terms of not just finances coming in, but also games being on as well. So, uh, from my point of view, it's great. I mean, I was manager in 2013 when, you know, Inverness... They were magnificent, whereas, you know, they, basically we went up there and I think they donated £5 for every ticket. Uh, towards Hearts at that time because we were in administration and what have you so that was a, a fantastic gesture and probably something that our fans you know, certainly haven't forgotten and you know when Inverness came up with this idea I was just like the same as every other Hearts fan I was kind of saying well it'd be great you know if we maybe sell a, a few hundred tickets or even a thousand tickets and, and Inverness make some money out of it but the fact that it's um, grown arms and legs and the amount of Hearts fans and, and, as you say, other fans for other teams and Inverness fans have snapped up so many tickets, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it, it, uh, me as a Hearts fan, it's, it gives me great pride in as much that our fans have kind of put their hands in their pockets to help another club, which is great. As I say, it's, it's great. Obviously, it would be a lot better if, you know, we could get fans inside the stadium, you know. Mm. There's nothing better, uh, from my point of view, when you're at a game, you know, as a fan myself. Mm-hmm. You can't beat fans at the games, but unfortunately, at the minute, the way things are going, uh, this is the sort of next best thing. So it's, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, I couldn't be any prouder as a Hearts fan that the fact that we've we've managed to help in such a big way, because uh, you obviously I know Robbo well, uh, you know, a great friend of mine, not only a, you know, a great friend of an ex teammate, and I know how frustrated he is at the moment with not being able to get games on and, and even training. You know, I think that's what people forget about as well because the weather's obviously bad here, but. Robo's telling me and Scott Gardner that it's horrendous up there, so they're really struggling to train at the moment as well. So hopefully this will give everybody up at Inverness, you know, that wee boost. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, financially it'll be a huge help to them. And, you know, I think Scott was saying that to me this morning when I spoke to him, you know, it's going to help maybe get uh, new sheets for the park. 
Uh, so that might mean that you've got a better opportunity of maybe getting one or two of the games on in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, as a football fan, you know, that, for me, that's great because you, you want to try and see, you know, all the clubs catching up with games um, and, you know, everybody finishing the season, which is which is the main target. Looking at the game then, obviously, you've, you've done as a turn. I mean, I don't, we, we, we won't expect to return the favour on the pitch. We need the points. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate your money, but we'll take points. I think they're worth more at the moment. So how you... How you start looking at the championships this season? I mean, Hearts. If you if you look at their team, should should win the league now. I think I think everyone's confident you do that. But have you seen much of Inverness and what you thought of us this season? Yeah, well, obviously I've seen Inverness. We played you uh, in the league and obviously the cup. So mm-hmm. and both games were very close. You know, uh, really difficult games. But you know, from our point of view, I think that the biggest thing for us this season is to try and get out of the league at the first time they ask in. And, you know, I've been at every game so far, you know, so good. We've had a, a couple of little slip-ups, but, you know, what's been really impressive is when we have had a slip-up, we've reacted really, really well the game after that. Who's the standouts for Hearts that a nice fan should be watching if we don't know about them already? You know, boy, she's been brilliant at the top end of the pitch. He's got us a lot of vital goals. Craig, you know, Craig's just been himself, you know. he's yeah. I've known Craig a long time. World-class goalkeepers for me. And some of the saves he's made this season have been unsure incredible. Uh, but I think probably Andy Irvin, the the whole squad, he'd be the one that maybe a lot of Inverness fans didn't know a lot about. But he's had a, a very good season as well. You know, he's uh, certainly came on this season. I think he's really improved in all aspects of his game. Uh, and very, very good footballer. Someone that you know I like watching. You know, he's got eye for a forward pass, which you very rarely see these days. You know, a lot of midfield players, they kind of tend to just keep it safe and keep keep possession. But he always looks for a you know, a forward pass. He's he's scored a few goals as well, and and you know, he's very very good with his delivery as well. So he'd probably be the one player in the heart side that I'd say. You know, if you've not seen a lot of him, I think you'll probably be quite impressed with him when you do Thanks see him. Coming on, mate. I appreciate it, and uh, I think on behalf of our next fans, I appreciate the support from Hearts and the fans. And uh, let's hope to have a good game, and uh, let's hope you get cuffed. <laughs> Not a problem And as I say We wish Obviously Inverness All the best Apart from when we play them And we'll, we'll see you On a couple of weeks time So you're a You're a jambo now really No No not at all But I, I've got a lot of love For Gary Locke I think he was, he spoke well And uh, we helped him out Back in the day And uh, we sell, Speaking to the club We need their money So I'll take the money From anywhere But it's more than the game now It's it's, 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 it's basically Keeping the lights on At Cali Stadium For a few more months This game And uh, yeah. I'm ever thankful for uh, Hearts fans doing what they can. Let's, let's talk briefly about the money and then we'll go on to the game and, and talk mm-hmm. about Hearts. Um, last, bef- just before we recorded, I think Robbo had said something like 9,000 tickets sold um, worth £85,000 to the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, phenomenal uh, effort from the Jambos. But I think a lot of, a lot of fans from, from Inverness and a lot of other fans have got behind us as well, Eli, haven't they? Yeah, it sounds like that. I mean... In particular, the heart supporters have um, have got behind it, and the cynical part of you is saying it's a really good opportunity for them to get it right up the rest of the league, who voted against or voted for them uh, coming down, uh, and uh, basically kind of you know trying to you know trying to favour us using using their kind of financial uh, weight, as it were. Um, there's a bit of there's a bit of an element of kind of uh, loads of mon- money waving his wad. You know, kind of going. You know, we're heart supporters. You know, and we, you know, we can kind of afford to a bail club out if we want. But actually, I think there's an awful lot of genuine goodwill involved in it, um, where they're kind of remembering 2013 when they really were in dire straits, and and that gesture uh, from the club, uh, which at the time presumably we were in a better position to be able to do, and now we couldn't do. So I think you know, 
getting beyond the cynicism, I think it's a, it's a really good thing, and I'm really pleased yeah. by it. I think we're quite um, usually quite critical of the club in terms of things they do, um, in terms of generating money, maybe being a bit proactive. But uh, yeah, hats off to the club with this one. Um, I don't think anyone, them included, would have expected quite the sheer volume of sales that we've had over the last week and a half. I mean, we've still got two weeks to to kick off, so it could be we could be at the five figures in terms of ticket sales, which. Uh, it's remarkable. Uh, the only thing is, I feel sorry for uh, Robbo at the minute having to autograph in nearly ten thousand tickets. You know, it's so. nice we stuck up this, uh, struck up this relationship with Hearts. You know, no matter what folks say, it's nothing to do with twenty thirteen. It's all in the back of last year's saga. Yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining really because you know we need the money, and if we're able to get it in from them, great, fantastic. But this kind of like almost daily fawning over Hearts from like the club is just it's just becoming a bit nauseating to me, to be honest, because you know. It wasn't that long ago, you know. You think of like this, the you know how hard it is sometimes for fans to get anything out of the club in general. You know, you look back at the start of the season when there were all the problems with the the Pixelot camera as a streaming service, um, and and folk were complaining to the club, and we were just getting you know, folk weren't even getting replies. They were just getting kind of brushed off with comments in the paper saying, "Oh, it's not that bad." I, I think basically, by all means, yes, kind of milk this kind of this kind of cash cow because it is what it is as much as you can, but kind of don't forget about. You know, your kind of core supporters who provide a fair chunk of your basic income for the club every season, both in the past, the present and the future, basically do both or none, not just one of them. I mean, I've seen comments, people moaning about they didn't get a Christmas card, they didn't get a thank you for buying a season ticket. We are fucking skint. We couldn't afford to thank fans, right? And this thing from Hearts is, it's a lifeline. It's, it's saving people's jobs. This is not football players, it's saving your neighbour's jobs, whoever, whoever works in the front office. I mean, I think I spoke earlier, it costs £4,500 a week to test for fucking COVID when we don't have a game. We've been testing every week to play twice in, in, in what, 2021. We are skint. We didn't, we didn't, we don't have a big rich benefactor like Uncle Roy. We, we, we didn't have a plan. We may have had a plan B. We didn't have a plan C. We budgeted to start seeing two games behind closed doors. Um, pay-per-view, the most we've made is £6,000 so I get the point. So we, we, we should all be thanking our fans and we, we, we maybe need to engage with fans a bit better. But if fans aren't coming forward with the money, we don't, we, the, the money we make from home fans only isn't subsidising the club. We are fucking skint. So it's, 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 it's a bit cheesy, but I fucking love hearts for this and it, and it saved jobs, not football players' jobs. It saved people in the office that needed them like, like you and I need a wage every month. So um, I get a point, mate, but we, we need as many fans to buy tickets to... As I said, to save jobs, mate. So. Okay, um, let's move on to, to football. <laughs> um, Hearts form is uh, the you know the beat A and the Pars one 0 They've beaten Wraith four 0 They've also lost to Wraith three two. Then they struggled to get a point the other night against uh, Queen of the South. Uh, and the one common factor in all that is Robbie Nielsen going straight up to the referee at the end of every game to complain about shit. And I wrote that before the Queen's game. And what happened? straight up to the referee. He is an arse and he is a charlatan and he's been found out now and they're only top of the league by virtue of the amount of goals they've scored, not 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 their style of play, certainly. Yeah, they're in a different league to every other team in this league financially. Um, obviously that tells, I mean, I would like to see how much uh, Mackay Stevens and people like Boys are taking home every week. Um, I'm sure between the two of them, they could probably subsidise three, maybe four of the teams in the league. It's the old cliche, it's a sign of the champions that you, you win games when you're when you're playing rubbish, which they have done most of the time. Um, 
it is, like you say, uh, Nielsen has been found out. It's on paper that team should walk this league quite easily, um, but obviously with uh, Nielsen's coaching, um, they're trying to make it as difficult as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know why no one's really surprised that um, a team managed by Robbie Nielsen looks flat and unadventurous and uninspired. Um, you talked about you know having kind of tools and, and instruments that. Um, are far out of the reach of any other uh, it's got a massive tool to yeah but it's, but it's, it's, it's like you know it's like buying I don't know a guitar or something like that and uh, and not being able to play it and that's kind of like Nielsen you know with his players isn't it you know but I think you know even you know with him at the wheel I think they will probably have enough there's enough talent in there um, I don't think they're that good I don't think they're that good I think it would be no. hilarious if we get all this um, positivity and that we're getting from the Hearts fans we turn them over that'd be brilliant no, I, so I, I I'm going to say mean, I'm going to say we're going to win we've we, we done alright at Tynecastle both times we played this season yep. I mean they, they weren't great but we're getting a bit of home off I think we'll uh, I think I'll go for 1-1 for me as well I think we'll give them a game thoroughly unimpressive 2-1 win for Hearts I'm going to say uh, one 0 win for Hearts with a really soft penalty scored by Boyce. Right, I'll stick with my one all then. Okay, Saturday, thirteenth of March, uh, Wraith at home. You need a long spoon to sup with a fifer, mainly because they have very short arms, so they have to use extendable utensils. But one thing they will be clapping their very short arms together at will be their leap position. Yeah, I think I think Wraith Rovers will win the playoffs. Um, I think it's the end of Fermland and Ian other hopefully odds, but I don't see Wraith falling, and I did see that a couple of months ago, but. Nah, they're, they're a threat and I'm worried about this game. I think they're probably the best placed team outside of Hearts in the league, actually, to be honest. They might not mm-hmm. be incredibly consistent. The league is pretty cutthroat below Hearts. I mean, I mean, Wraith are closer to the bottom than they are to Hearts, for goodness sake. So, um, But they, I think I think they're, they're best set up in terms of their starting 11 to probably do the most damage. So, And with Kennedy going in there as well. Um, yeah, finally, they lost um, Ethan Ross. He went back to Aberdeen. Um, but yeah, like like Riley, I'm worried about this one as well. Actually, um, I think is, is this a way? Is this a way at home? Sorry, I so can't, home. I'm, I'm hopeful we could maybe get maybe a one-all draw on this one um, or two-two. I think there's going to be goals in this one actually because the um, was it the League Cup game earlier in the season that, that yeah. was pretty entertaining. Four opposite of us, they seem to score a lot of goals. I'll go two. I'll go two-one, and I'm only I'm, I'm being optimistic, but yeah, a, a scrappy two-one for us. I think we're losing this three-two. I think our best performance of the season was uh, was at home to them early on in the season and we won 2-0 so I'm going to say the same again uh, I'm going to go 4-4 four, four. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie McDonald does is a fail doesn't he so um, yeah <laughs> Is that Richie Foran with an overhead kick in the 94th minute <laughs> yeah. then Martha? Those are our predictions. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, you might notice that we've been uh, doing a few we've been, been going, going down the bookies recently uh, we've been using our hard-earned free money from McBookie and we've been putting a few bets on. What's what's the deal there, Riley? Yeah, McBookie have been kind enough to donate a, a free bet builder bet every Saturday uh, for us to use in ICT games, which hasn't happened so far because we, we just don't play anymore. But yeah, no, the guys are really back to pod. And uh, yeah, I would encourage any listeners to the pod to have a look at their, their weekly offers and their bet builders. And uh, as always, um, please gamble responsibly. Season 2021, the season that was off, then on, then off, they went on and on and on and on and on. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No barter sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business.
Lockdown, pub shirt, school shirt, online teaching, homeschooling, snow, ice, dark nights, crap TV, Cali games off, Cali games off, Cali games off. But player of the season so far, Scott Allardyce, has signed a new contract. We spoke to the man himself. How's the last few weeks and months been, mate? It's uh, frustrating from the fan side, so the man you boys are feeling the same. Yeah, no, it's been, it has been, it's been tough because how many games you're obviously looking forward to getting a game and probably the festive period when we're meant to be playing is the busiest time. One every three days or some in the games and we've not had one in God knows how long and it's it's just went on again and you're preparing for a game thinking it's going to be on and then the next day it's off so there's nothing worse than when you're preparing it's it's called off in the morning. How's, um, how's training been though? I mean, I, I'd imagine it's probably still competitive. I think Fort George has held up well, but has training been all right or is it going to be a bit tough to prepare for games when you might not be uh, The last couple of weeks we've actually been that Highland, is it the Highland Centre? Up oh, in, I will. Uh, we've started to get that. So mm-hmm. we've been up there most of the time. We trained at Fort George last Saturday when the Dundee game was off, I think it was. And uh, no, it's been good Like because before that, we had hardly trained. I remember in the lead up to the Morton game, the games were off, so we were getting a weekend off because we couldn't train anywhere else. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're losing that game and you're losing the training time. Now, you could yeah. get to the gym and that, but you can't substitute training or a game. like So in terms of that, it's been good just to train. Like, it's, it's the thing, you've got nothing else to do up here. You just want to train and as often as you can. And, and when you can do that, it's, it's much better than sitting about. Uh, most fans oh. myself are delighted you've, you've signed another 18-month deal. So... How um how happy you've signed? I mean, I'd imagine you've been impressed with your start and a lot of game time that you've had so far this season. No, I was for me it was a sensible decision. Like I, I just need to keep playing games. I came here. Obviously, I don't think anyone really expected me to play that much. If everyone's honest, like they probably expected me in the background to come in and and have an impact at times. Um, but I knew myself. I think coming up, I was here to play. Um. Obviously, I got my chance very soon because of injuries to Div, Vinny and Welsh. You were all struggling early on. You're no young, you're no old, you're 22, but is he used to the team? Has that been a benefit to you in terms of coming in, having a lot of boys around your own age to adapt on and off the park? Has that helped you settle in? Yeah, it probably is. Off the park's been a bit different because, obviously, I'm, I'm quite pally with the boys around my similar age, but you can't do much. like So, in terms of on the park and on the training pitch, especially when it was a younger team, to begin with, you're settled right away, whereas when the experienced boys, you need to, it's different a wee bit, but I think it helps with the, the youthfulness in the side, and I think it shows when we have played at times that it's, it's pure energy mixed in with a bit of quality, like, and that, that is a good mixture, so I don't think when, when it's a young side, I, I think you see that in the play, there's no fear, like, at times it's probably cost us a couple of goals, naivety or inexperience, whatever you want to call it, but I think when the younger ones kind of play, they just kind of go out there and don't really care. Like they just want to go out and, and express themselves. Obviously, with Welsh coming back, he's, he's a skipper. Like he's if he's fit, if you're a skipper, you want to play. Like so, yeah. everyone else is fighting for a spot. Um, and obviously, Vinny and that's had, had a good career, and he's older than that. But I just need a kind of stamp my authority and and work hard and and see what happens. If I'm performing, I don't see why I come out the team but if I'm not I know I'm, I'm out the team on merit like no definitely and obviously scored on a score sheet this season are you, are you, are you targeting maybe to get maybe a couple more, couple more goals this season have you given yourself any targets for goals or is it just 
As in when the games come, see you on. Well, coming here, to be fair, I would never have thought about scoring goals. I just it wouldn't cross my mind, which is a bit mad when you're a midfielder, like. But obviously, you have different roles to play. But it's kind of opened my eyes up. There's another part of what I can do, and obviously, getting two goals early on. Um, I want to get more. I think I've got a good strike. I, I can hit them like so. At times in games, I've not. I've even even since then, I've 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 been hesitant. I'd rather. I've put the ball out wide rather than just swing it. Like so, mm-hmm. I think for me, I need to learn to just kind of believe in yourself sometimes and just just hit that. And to be fair, the gaffers, I've never had. I've heard that. I've heard that for Robo. I said uh, just uh, Robo shooting me to had, shoot all the time. Uh, Thirty yards out sometimes. It's never on. He <laughs> told me to shoot. I don't want to. Don't want to embarrass myself. Like, but he, to be fair, <laughs> he gives you that confidence just to just to shoot it, shoot on sight basically, and I. I need to do that more. Very good. In terms of the gaffer, like he's he gives you a lot of confidence. What well, he's given me a lot of confidence just by believing in me. Whereas Kel, Kel's will probably have more uh, the coaching. Like he will, he'll come at me and say there's certain things. So with the gaffer, but in terms of the gaffer, he gave me the confidence from just believing in me, and just just wee tweaks. Whereas Kel, Kel is very good on that side of the game. He's very like thinks deeply about it and and Baz as well. They're all good and. I think here with the three of them, and even S is good on the game as well. I know he's a goalie coach, but he the more he speaks about it, he is he is good, and he he started to say things to me on the on the side and that just to help me, and that's all I want. Like if they're if they're just giving me wee pointers, and I just want to want to improve, and the only way I'm going to do that is if you've got coaching staff like them. I tell that you may be a wee bit hesitant to send a long term deal at the beginning because you were maybe thinking maybe football's not for me full time, and this might not be. What you want to do? Is it is it reinvigorated your your passion I, for football? I wouldn't say it was the full time one, but I was just sometimes you like I came up through United and you're there for ten years. You break in, you you play a wee bit, and then f- for two, eighteen months, like you're not fancied. You go on loan, and it doesn't really work out. I went to Dumbarton, and I was poor, like out on loan, and mentally you you start doubting it a, a wee bit. Like you're like you put all this work in and. That's two managers, no fancy, you. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went to went to Ireland, and uh, that I kind of got the revigoration there. I just just loving it again, playing with a smile on your face, and then come back here. I was happy to sign a one year just because I wanted to just go out and prove as a player what I was like and and what I could add to the team. And then from then it would everyone's in a stronger position after having seen that. So it wasn't it wasn't a case of finding the the love of it again but I just wanted to come here and give them the best shot for a year and then I would reevaluate after that looking sort of towards the end of the season I mean I see the end of the season we've still got feels like we've got about 50 games in hand over everyone else but I mean we've got what three or four months left of the season as it stands how are you how are you hoping the end of the season pans out we've still obviously got a lot of games to play we're in my chance to playoffs. is that something that the, the boys are aiming towards Ah, 100%. I say with this squad of players, I genuinely, if you're not aiming for at least the playoffs, then it's poor. It's obviously made a lot harder now. Probably when you're you're outside the football as much, you probably don't realise how many games in a short period, especially where a small enough squad can, can affect it. However, I think you need to be looking at the playoffs. I think two wins or something, and you're, you're right in amongst it. Like, and there is nothing to fear, obviously. Hearts are, are up there at the minute and they they look like they're doing enough just to get by. But I think 
apart from that, it's, it's an even game. Like, it's, it's anyone's here for the taking. You, you've not got anything to fear in the Premiership. The, the, the ones at the bottom, like, there's what have you got to fear? So I think we need to be aiming, aiming high. Whether it comes off, we'll wait and see. But I honestly think with the, the squad of players, and it's a good mix as well between your older boys and, and there's a lot of young boys now. Like So this season and next, it's, it's, it's going to be a big year, I think, for the club. Like. Sounds like a guy who's at a crisis of confidence after leaving Dundee United. Then when some players fall away from the game, he's taken a different route. And, and now he's on the way back up. He admits he was poor when he was alone in Dumbarton from United. What did, what did you think of his honesty there, AY? I think self-reflection and self-criticism are really valuable assets in the player if they're genuine and you know and they lead to something. Uh, so it sounds really encouraging. And actually, based on his performances so far, you know, it seems to be you know the case. Uh, he's obviously someone who's come in wanting to hit the ground running. Um, and he's been really composed as well as kind of being strong in the tackle and using the ball well, there's just a sense that he seems kind of wise beyond his years so yeah, far. As you say, yeah. he's, he's taking his chance well. And I really liked his confidence in the interview, you know, saying he believed that he could, you know, get into the team and kind of stay there, basically. And that's exactly what he's done. So fair play to the guy. Um, you know, he anchors in midfield really well. I, myself, and others have been critical of the club in the past, um, you know, maybe not getting players tied down. So, you know, fair play to them for this one. Um, he was only on a contract at the end of the season. And they've got him on another, was it 18 months? So, yeah, delighted. Great stuff. He mentions that there was nowhere to train when the Morton game was off. This is just an unfortunate situation, really, isn't it, with, with the bad weather and there being no indoor facility in Inverness and the only one is in Dingwall and County will have been presumably using it. Is that right? No, I think we've got a tipper cap to our old boss, John Hughes, for this one because uh, him and Rob have came together and basically formed a timetable to allow us to use it. Um, so um, yeah thanks to John Hughes we're getting some indoor training facilities so that situation that he refers to that's not going to happen again don't think so you know, he talk, well he talked about um, the coaching how good he felt Scott Kelleher and um, Barry Wilson were and that ties and that's important because it ties in with what John Hughes said about Scott Kelleher about how, how good he was as a coach. And so I think it's really nice to hear um, a player come out and explicitly praise the coaching of the whole staff and not just Robbo. Okay, well, Allardyce, uh, a superb sign in this season. Um, he's come on leaps and bounds. It's brilliant to see him sign the extended deal because definitely he'd be on the radar of other clubs this season. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Spit that! Well, well, well. Mailbag. It's a very small mailbag. Andrew Sutherland has a very small mailbag. <laughs> um, what's one obscure match date moment which you will never forget? And that was from Scott Bambi. Uh, yeah, I've got one, Sav, and it, uh, it involves you. And it's the day that you, you had an assist for Carly Thistle, which was, a, I think it was a League Cup game with Ray Rovers a couple of seasons uh, ago, where the ball went into the air. The fullback, just as he went to go and drop it, you let out what I can only describe as a very weird noise, very loudly, and it actually put the fullback off. He took a horrendous touch. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think who the player was at the time, whoever it went to, put the ball straight into the box, and I think it was Todorov scored a header. So it was the day that Sav... Got <laughs> the only thing that kind of came to mind was um, a game against Morton, a Friday night game back in 2000 or 1999, and... Um, we had just Dennis Wynas had um, joined us, I think, about six weeks before, and we hadn't actually lost in the league since he joined. Um, played really well. Drew Jarvie, 
who was the Aberdeen, I think, assistant manager at the time, and Jim Jeffries, who was the Hearts manager, and Billy Brown, who was the Hearts assistant manager, were all sitting along from us uh, at the game. And, you know, we were thinking, oh, which of our players are they wanting to poach? It could be, you know, they could be trying to get Wynas, you know, already because he's in places to come here. It could be Paul Sheeran, it could be whatever. And anyway, we were absolutely rotten. We were kind of, we lost 5-1. I just remember, like, as they left, I think when the fifth goal went in, when the fifth Martin goal went in, they kind of left, and I just remember Jim Jeffries going, well, that was fucking shite, Drew, as you kind of walked past us. Well, I've got one, and uh, it's, uh, I think, that Dennis Wynas last month, and uh, the famous Celtic game in the Cup, and uh, also we won 1-0, and there was a bit of a pitch invasion after the game, and I mean, I, I, pull, I pull my hamstring getting out of bed in the morning nowadays, but I managed to sort of leapfrog the wall, and I run to the pitch to give Stuart McCaffrey a massive hug, but Sky cameras, as they do, come out to the pitch to interview the, to, to sort of view the players up close. And if you ever remember Diego Maradona's cocaine fueled goal against Greece in the USA '94, he runs up to the camera to basically give it a headbutt. Red card rally, as I was called back in the day, to do the same. And uh, yeah, basically went for a square goal with the camera. And uh, yeah, it went out live. And uh, Sky continued to use that footage uh, for pre-match ICT build-ups for years to come. So. Yeah, that was a good memory for me. Uh, well, I've got one, actually. Um, Celtic Park, uh, there was like, some big guy next to us with a couple of his mates, and uh, I think it was during half-time. He was on the phone to someone, and he was waving at folk in the in the Celtic part of the stadium, and one of my mates kind of thought, you know, it's a bit strange. You know, he's a Celtic fan. What's he doing in the uh, in the Inverness end? So he kind of had a go at him and kind of tried to put him in his place kind of thing. You know, if you're a Celtic fan, you know, fuck off the Celtic end kind of thing, until at one point the guy and his pals got up to leave. And he just turned to my mate and said, "Is it okay? We leave now, pal." And um, my mate was like, "Yeah, I okay." Oh, by the way, we're we're, we're Danny Devine's family. Just just thought you'd like to know that. And uh, yeah, needless to say, um, can it put my mate in his place? That it was thanks awesome. for the welcome. Oh, yeah, they did say thanks for the welcome, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. So, there <laughs> you go. so uh, I've got too many to mention. I've got um, I've got uh, a, a drum at Hamilton, a, a broken drumstick, dro- drumstick rather. I've got uh, a, a cowden beast ball boy. And I've got a, a sausage at Dundee United, but most of them will be kept for the live show. What I'll finish off with is one from my brother, who to tie it into the last pod that the boys did. So my brother finished off his footballing um, career playing for Fort William in the Highland League. And at the time, Dennis Wynas was playing for Bucky Thistle. And he was marking him, you know, big deal for my brother, big Dennis Wynas fan. He was marking him one day in the box. Well, he marking him for the whole game because he was playing centre half for that season. And Wynas is obviously still up front um, in his twilight years. And he was marking him in the box, and my brother was just like, it's supposed to be a third corner. It was the same smell. What is that smell? What is that smell? Turns out Wynas was farting the whole game long. So you think Wynas has been brilliant this whole career because of that little shuffle and all the rest of it. It isn't. It's because he's got fucking stinky fart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true story. Okay. I hope he doesn't listen to this after um, we've just, we've spent like two and a half hours talking to him for that interview the other Yeah, week. he told us he never listened to podcasts. And if he listens to this one, he says, oh, these I, guys are really good. I'll I, listen to them again. Just before we end, this is really our first opportunity to offer our condolences to the family of club historian Ian Broadfoot, who passed away at the start of this year. Very few football clubs can boast of having their entire histories documented in meticulous detail. And the fact that Cali Thistle can do so is due solely to Ian's immense dedication to the task and to the club. Some sense of the scale of his work can be gained from the two magnificent books that his public legacy, Going Ballistic and Last Year's Milestones and Memories, 
And his work's been particularly valuable to us in the pod and allowing us to research all sorts of information, whether it's for player interviews or Nightmare 11s or match stats. So I think we all feel we owe him a deep debt of gratitude and our thoughts go out to his friends and family. That's, uh, that's all for this pod. Hopefully next time you hear from us, we've got a lot of actual football to talk about. Thanks to everybody for listening. But before we go, something we mentioned on, a, on the last pod, competition time. We never did get round to our Christmas raffle and giving away Aaron Doran's 25th anniversary shirt from last season. So all you need to do to be in by the chance of winning it is follow the podcast on Twitter, like the first main tweet for this episode of the podcast, retweet the first main tweet for this episode of the podcast, and then listen out to the next pod sometime in March when we pick the winner out of a slightly bigger sack than we were using for this pod. Um, We are all off to not watch the documentary series that AY was talking about. Until then, it's bye from them. Bye, everyone. Bye. Uh, Bye from me. Take care of yourself, each other, and bye for now. Yep, yep.